told Reggie a second ago, I, I was supposed to do a welcome and talk about the offering, and I, I just felt like you know, we just need to keep on praising Almighty God. I, I don't need to get up here and stop it. So now I'm going to go ahead and do the welcome and the offering. This is not when we're supposed to do it, but if you're a guest, thank you so much for being here today. I, I hope you have already met with the risen King Jesus. I, I hope you've been encouraged. If you're watching online, I hope you have been singing and worshiping Almighty God because it's... It's the greatest joy we have. Our greatest gift isn't what we get from God. Our greatest gift is that we get God. And, and I pray that you've already drunk deep of him today. And, and if you have, praise the Lord. Rejoice in it. Seek him more. I believe he wants to speak to you. There is a way for us to connect with you. In the seat back in front of you, there's a little black card, and it's got a QR code. Or you can go to fill.org slash connect if you're watching online. And just let us know that you're participating with us, that you're joining in, because we believe that God wants to do some marvelous things in your life, but he's going to use a community of faith to do it. So let us be partners with you. Also, guys, every single year we go through, and this church survives by the tithes and the offerings of the people of God. The reason that we can have pastoral staff, the reason we can do ministry, the reason we can send mission teams is because of the giving of the church body. So don't forget to be faithful, to give toward the cause of Christ, that same QR code or, or card or fill.org slash connect. You'll scroll down. You'll find a place where you can give. Be faithful. I encourage you to do so. But I'm, I'm not here to talk about giving. I'm not, I'm not here to talk about even guests, as important as those things are. I'm, I'm here to give you one last teaching on prayer. We've been on the sermon series. Where we've been looking at the Lord's Prayer, looking at teaching to, to learn how we can pray better. And I intentionally saved this particular teaching to the end. Now, this isn't the last service where we're going to deal with prayer because actually next week we're going to come back we're going to have an incredible service where we're going to put into practice all the things we've been learning. It's going to be a beautifully unusual service, which is going to start right at the beginning. So next week, just plan to be here about 10.55. Come in, get a seat, be ready, because we are going to, we're going to learn by doing next week. And, and I know uh, there are some of you that when I say that, you're going to go, uh, I don't know how I feel about praying in front of other people. I, maybe you've never prayed out loud in your life. The good news is next week, we're not going to be here to make you feel uncomfortable. You don't, you don't have to say a single word out loud, but we're going to teach you what it means to, even if it's putting training wheels on how to pray, how to put this stuff into practice, how to have intimacy with God, how to cry out to God for the needs that you have. And it's going to be a spectacular service. If you're watching online and you live in the Metroplex, next Sunday plan to be here in person at any one of our campuses, if at all possible, because it's going to be an incredible time of prayer. So make that a priority. But today i give you the last lesson, the very last thing that we need to know, the one that I saved to the end, because it's the most dangerous of all the themes of prayer. It's the one that's the most natural, but the most dangerous. So I've had you write it down every single week. Prayer is, and I've answered it. Here's the last theme for you. Go ahead and write it down. Prayer is our lifeline for help. Today, the Lord wants us to understand this aspect of prayer. The, the most natural form of prayer is seeking help from God. It's our lifeline for help from Almighty God. Now, I, I don't have to teach you to ask for help when you're desperate. It is one of the most natural things about human beings. General Douglas MacArthur, he had this famous statement, this quote where he says, there are no atheists in foxholes. When, when, you're, and when you're confronted with the enemy and you're trying to save your life, people who've never prayed before start praying. Oh, God, save me. Oh, God, help me. It, it, it happens all the time. What, what happened after 9-11 hit our country? Do you know what happened? Churches were filled with people praying. 
Some of them never prayed before, but they're desperate now. They're going to gather together and pray. I, I don't care how hard-hearted you are of a person. You could be the most pride-filled person, but if you get a phone call that one of your children has been in a car accident and they're being care-flighted to a hospital, if you've never prayed a day in your life, you're going to start praying. You're going to call everybody you know who will pray. Because when you're desperate, the natural response, you don't, you don't have to teach people to do this, is to cry out to a higher power to say, help me. You may not understand who God is. You may not even really believe the details of Jesus, but you're going to start crying out because you know you need help. It's supernatural. But it's also exceptionally dangerous. Because when you, when you pray and you don't know what you're doing, one of two things can happen. One, one of the the hardest things is when you pray for something and God doesn't answer it and you can get so discouraged, you can, you can maybe even believe that God doesn't exist. We'll talk about that a little bit later on and why that's such a challenge. But also, maybe even more dangerous, is you can begin to treat God like he's some kind of genie in a bottle and that when you pray, you're just rubbing your little lamp and God's going to give you your three wishes. Like you can just tell him what you want and he has to give it to you. You may not know this, but all across this country and all over the world, there's this false gospel spreading called the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. I talk about it often because it is so dangerous. It's this idea that you just name it, you can claim it, you just believe it, you're going to receive it, and it turns God into a genie. I, I just got to pray, and God's going to give me whatever I ask for. And I want you to know that is so unbelievably dangerous to think that we can control God because there ain't nobody controlling God. He controls us. We don't control him. And so we have to make sure that even though it's natural to pray when we have times of need, we need to know how to pray. So I want to teach you today from God's Word how to treat prayer as a lifeline for help and how to do so in a way that's powerful and not self-destructive. I'm going to go ahead and let Jesus teach us the way we've been doing every single week. We're going to go back to Matthew 6 one last time. This is the Lord's Prayer, so grab your Bible, open it up to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read verses 9 through 13 one last time. And before I read it, remember what I've been telling you every single one of these weeks. This is not intended to be a rote prayer that you just recite that has magical power. It's themes of prayer. He wants us to understand what prayer is. So you're going to see right in the middle a beautiful, powerful theme of this lifeline for help. Here's what it says, beginning in verse 9. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Again, multiple teachings all through here, but right there in the middle, the shortest of all the verses is verse 11 that says, give us this day our daily bread. That is saying, oh God, help me meet the needs that I have. Now before we dig into this, I want you to recognize this is the way we mostly treat prayer. It's God, I, I want you to give me what I, what I think I need and I'm gonna ask for that. But we make that the dominant part of prayer when if you look at this, it's the smallest verse and it's sandwiched in between two verses in front of it and two verses after it, which means this is not the most important part of prayer. Remember what I told you from the beginning, the very first part, our Father in heaven, now that's the intimacy with God. He is our Father. We get to commune with God. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Remember, that's a spiritual warfare. God, bring your kingdom down and displace the kingdom of darkness. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the idea of me submitting to the will of God. I'm not trying to get God to do what I think is best. I'm going to go ahead and let God tell me to do what he already knows is best. So I'm going to submit to him. Then we have that little short verse. Give us this day or daily bread. And then it moves on. Help me, God. Uh, forgive, let me forgive others and their debt as you have forgiven me, my debt. 
And then it finishes with, leave me not in temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. Oh God, I can't stand against Satan, so you deliver me. All these major themes of prayer, and that really short one is the only one where we actually ask God to meet our needs. That's telling. It means that at its core, prayer is not most importantly about getting God to meet our needs. But prayer is not less than asking God to meet our needs. We must absolutely ask God to meet our needs. And God has actually set it up to where we must cry out to him to have our needs met by him. There's this beautiful verse in the book of James chapter 4, verse 2. I'm not going to read it quite yet, but I'm going to dig into it in a little bit. But it, it, it says this simple statement. It says, you have not because you ask not. Man, how about that for, for profound truth from the half-brother of Jesus? You have not because you ask not. Here, here's what James is saying. What are you doing getting angry at God for not giving you what you haven't even asked him to give you? But this is how we treat God. God, where are you, God? Why aren't you helping me when we haven't even taken the time to ask him to move on our behalf? But there are so many of us that until it gets desperate in our life, we don't take the time to fall on our knees and cry out to God for help. We wait until the ship is sinking before we actually ask God for help. But what God is trying to show us here is that we need to go to him every single day and ask for help. It should be the knee-jerk reaction. Give us this day our daily bread. If you're asking for daily bread, you know what that means? It means you got to ask for it daily. Every day, you got to come back and ask for it again and again and again. He's creating dependency on him. And every time you pray, just the act of prayer is an act of self-humbling. You are admitting you cannot handle this on your own. Oh, God, I need you. Oh, God, I need you. And that's exactly where he wants us to be every day, coming back to him saying, I can't handle this without you. I need you. That's why I call it a lifeline for help. Prayer is a lifeline. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of nerdy, so I like to look at words and find out the etymology of the word. And so I looked at that word lifeline, and it, it actually is a nautical term from the 1700s. So back then, if you were going to traverse the ocean, you had to do so on a big old ship. And what you would do on a ship is that you would sail across the ocean, and if a storm hit, then there would have to be a crew who would have to be out on deck taking down the sail so that it wouldn't get ripped through the heavy winds, which meant waves were crashing over you. And so you had what was called a lifeline. It was a rope that went across the deck of the ship that every time a wave was coming, your job was to grab a hold of that lifeline so that when the waters came over you, you didn't get pulled out in the sea. It was meant to protect you when there was storm and things were getting crazy. There was something unique about these lifelines. They were detachable on one side. You could detach it and you could attach it to a float device that if somebody did get washed over, you would throw that line out to sea and they would grab a hold of that rope and the crew would pull that person back in. That was called a lifeline. That was the way that you were saved. I think that's an apt description of prayer. That's the way we should view it. For sure that when we are in shambles, when life is out of control, when we don't know which way is up and the whole world seems to be dark and stormy, we grab a hold of prayer as our lifeline to get us through. Now let me tell you why that matters. There are some of you right now, and you are here in this room or you are watching online, and you, you are lost at sea. There is something going on in your life right now that has you overwhelmed. There are some of you, and either you or someone you love has been given that horrible word cancer and you don't know how to overcome it. You were scared to death. There are some of you right now, and it's two-thirds, three-quarters of the way through the month of May, and you're going, I, I don't have enough money to make it to the end of the month. I, I, don't, I don't even know how I'm going to make it. There are some of you right now 
And, and you may be watching this online. You may be sitting right next to somebody that you're married to and you just don't even know if your marriage is going to make it. And you're scared to death of what's going to come in the future. There are some of you in here and your child is so wayward, has so rejected the Lord, you don't even know if there's any hope that if they would die tonight, you don't even know if they just wouldn't go to hell and you're scared to death about their well-being. You don't know what to do about it. There are some of you right now, I don't even know what your story is, but you're here and you know you feel like you're sinking. You know you feel like you're in the middle of a storm. And this is the moment where you get to experience the power of prayer, your lifeline. At the end of this service, I'm going to give you a chance, if you're in this room, to come down forward and be prayed. If you're watching online, you're going to be able to do so as well. You'll get instructions later. But if you're in the room, you're going to be able to come down here and be prayed over and to experience the lifeline in the middle of the storm. I, I pray you get your heart ready for it. But, but what I fear is this. I fear there are many of you right now that maybe you're not in the storm, but there are some things that trouble you in your life, things that you're concerned about, but you haven't done the work of prayer because it's not desperate enough yet. It has to get far too desperate before you shoot up the flare of prayer. And you're just going to kind of wait around trying to do it on your own. And you have not because you ask not. And as I was studying that word lifeline, I, I, I read that there was, there was another thing that's called a lifeline that I think is a better description of the way we should view prayer. Did you know that when they first started doing scuba diving, they would have those big old outfits they would put on that uniform that was airtight, and there would be a hose connected to that right at the top that would go up to the ship that would pump in oxygen. And that hose was called a lifeline. In fact, it's the same hose for astronauts when they would go out into space and they would do a spacewalk and they're in their astronaut suit and there was a hose connected back to the ship that was pumping in oxygen. That hose was called a lifeline. And if you ask me, I think that's an even better description of prayer. It's this idea of constant source of life. You know, if somebody's scuba diving and they're connected to a hose and you cut that hose, they're done. It's over. They're not going to survive. This is the way we should be viewing prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Every single day we're going back, staying connected, praying without ceasing because we know the moment that dries up, our lifeline is gone. We're dead. This is the way we should view prayer. I don't wait until it's a, a tragedy or catastrophe. Every day I bring my needs before you, Father, and I present them to you and I say, here I am. I'm dependent on you, God, and meet my need. I want to teach you how to do that because we have a God who is in the business of meeting needs. One of my favorite passages of Scripture is in the book of Philippians chapter 4. If you have your Bible, flip over. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. Listen to this truth bomb that Paul is going to throw on us. He says, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Some of you need to get that tattooed across your chest. That is an amazing truth. My God will supply every single need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He has riches you know not of. If you have a need, he can meet that need. He has ears to hear you. He has eyes to see you. And he has the power to do something about it. He'll supply every single one of your needs. I'm telling you this because at the end of this service, there are some of you who are going to need to humble yourself enough to say, I am in need. Oh, God, richly supply the need I have according to your power and might and glory. I want you to get ready for it right now because in a few minutes I'm going to invite you to be prayed over. But I want you to make sure that you know how to pray when you do that because there is a chance that you could humble yourself and you could come forward and say, all right, I'm not going to have not because I asked not. I'm going to ask because I want God to move. And there's a chance that you could ask and still not receive an answer to your prayer. 
And, and I, I told you earlier, and I'm going to say it again, sometimes that's one of the hardest things about prayer. That's the most discouraging thing about prayer is that you can ask for something and it seems like God's not listening. And it doesn't take many of those times before you start thinking, well, maybe prayer doesn't work. Or maybe my God's not listening. Or maybe I don't know what I'm doing. You could get discouraged. So I want you to know there are a couple reasons why when you pray, you may not get an answer. And we need to let God's word instruct us on that. One of the first reasons why you may pray and not get an answer is because you may be, may be praying for the wrong reason. I told you about James chapter 4, verse 2. You have not because you ask not. There's a verse that comes right after it. I, I want to go to James 4. I'm going to read the second half of verse 2, and then listen to what it says next. Second half of verse 2 says, You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So even when you do ask, he says, you ask, but you don't receive if you're asking with wrong motive, selfish motive. The reason prayer is so, so dangerous is because we are such selfish people. And everything we pray for, if we're not careful, is just for our own benefit. And this word is saying God is not in the business of supplying every single one of your desires, meeting every single one of your wants. Did you notice what Philippians 4.19 says? It says God supplies every one of your needs, not every one of your desires, Every one of your needs, according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now, I, I know there are some of you in here, and you're the, you're the super spiritual type that has a lot of verses of Scripture memorized, and, and you're also the combative type, and right now you would want to go, oh, no, 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 Jason. No, what you just said was wrong right there. You said God isn't in the business of meeting our desires, but only our needs. But, but I know what Psalm 37, 4 says. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and God will give you the desires of your heart. Huh, son? You see? God will give you the desires of your heart. Jason, you're wrong. Just in case you're thinking that, I want to say, no, you're wrong. <laughs> let, me tell you, let me tell you why. That verse is so contorted by people who believe in the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. People who say, yeah, God will give you the desires of your heart. You just got to long for it, pray for it in faith, you're going to get it. Those people truncate that verse, and they forget the first part of it. The first part says, delight yourself in the Lord and then it says, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Let me tell you what that means. When the desire of your heart is God, he will always give you God. You, you're never going to seek God and not find him if you long to be with him. Delight yourself in the Lord. Make your ambition God. It's the very first sermon we talked about intimacy. Don't make prayer about getting something from God. Make prayer about getting God. And every time you make God your goal, you will get God. He will give you the desires of your heart. But that is not saying God will give you anything you've ever wanted. Just name it, claim it. That's not that promise. God says he will supply every single one of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. This is the very reason why Jesus, when he voiced the Lord's Prayer, he said, give us this day our daily bread. He did not say, give us this day our weekly bread. Give us this day our monthly bread. He said, give us this day our daily bread. Can I, can I be honest with you? That's a scary prayer to pray because it means that every night your pantry is empty. It means every night you eat all your bread and you got to come back the next day and ask for more. It means you only have what you need and nothing more. I don't think any of us in this room like to have an empty pantry. We don't want daily bread. We want cushion. We want security. We want a little bit extra. We want a safety net. We want monthly bread. We'd probably prefer yearly bread, but we might not have space for it, so we'll just take monthly bread. You know, I, I think my wife and I discovered this when March 2020 hit. I don't know if you responded the same way we did, 
we were one of the crazy people. So we got, we got my wife just laughed over there because <laughs> she knows what happened. We, we were one of the people who got the message, you know, we were looking on social media and saw that, that grocery stores were shutting down and the, all the shelves were getting empty. And we both said, holy cajoles, we got eight people in our family. We don't have enough food for about like a couple days. They're going to they're gonna mow through it. So we went to the grocery store and we spent an ungodly amount of money on grocery. We, we bought so many boxes of cereal. We were shoving them in the entertainment center in our living room. We, we were one of those crazy people. Because we just knew we needed to have something. We didn't know how long it was going to last. We didn't know what was going to take place. But we didn't want to be without. We didn't want our kids to be hungry. We wanted to feed them. And when you have a lot of them, it takes a lot of food to feed them. And we were nervous. We were anxious. I don't know. Did any of you struggle with that? I don't know what's going to happen. I want to be prepared. We don't want daily bread. And the reason we don't want daily bread is because we don't like feeling like we're out of control. You see, daily bread means God's in control and we don't get a say in it. He only gives us what we need for the day and every single day we're dependent on him. We have to come back again and again. That's why the pandemic was so scary for us. We don't know what's going to happen and we feel totally out of control. So we're going to try to control it and fill all our shelves with food so we can feel like we're at least doing something. We don't want daily bread. But we need daily bread. Because we need to trust that God controls the world better than we do. And daily bread means I'm only asking you for what I need, not what I desire or want, but only what I need, and I'm leaving you control. But let me go ahead and give you a caution. When God's in control, he's way more concerned about your holiness than he is your comfort. And he knows he's trying to do something in you to change you and transform you. And if you actually got all the desires of your heart, it would kill you if those desires are selfish. In fact, that's the second reason. And the first reason was because we asked with wrong motive. The second reason why God doesn't answer our prayers sometimes is because he knows that if he were to give us the answer, it would actually harm us and not help us, and he won't do that. He knows that there are times that we desire things that will destroy us, and he loves us too much. There's this incredible proverb that shows that well. It's Proverbs 30. It's the second half of verse 8 and 9. I want you to listen to this because the writer of this proverb is just about to drop some truth on us that we need to hear. Proverbs 30, verse 8. Second half of it, it says... Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. In other words, give me today my daily bread. Why? Lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and still and profane the name of my God. He says, don't, don't let me be rich. Don't let me be poor. Listen, God doesn't want you to be in need. He doesn't want you to steal and have to profane. He wants you to bless the name of God, not profane the name of God. This is why he wants to meet your needs when you have genuine needs. But God is not going to give you all your desires because you may end up in the other category where lest you are rich. And it doesn't just say, and therefore you don't depend on God. It says, lest you become rich and you deny the Lord saying, who is the Lord? Now stop and think about that. This is, this is where you get to the point where you say, now who's that God again? I, Jesus? I, I, don't, I don't even remember him. If God gives us the desires of our heart, it can actually make us come to a point where we are utterly untethered from God, utterly independent of God. We don't even know him and walk with him and remember him. We're now tethered to our possessions. And that is a cruel taskmaster. And God loves us too much to give us everything that we would ever want. He says, no, 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 I want to keep you tethered to me, dependent on me. I'm not going to give you all the desires of your heart because it would kill you. God is a good father, and a good father knows how to say no. 
If you're a parent in this room, I pray to Almighty God that from time to time you tell your children no. Because if you've ever met a kid who's never been told no in their lives, you want to kick that kid. You know you shouldn't, but you really want to kick that kid. Because they are supremely, I've, I've met a few kids that I don't think I've ever heard the word no before in their lives. And they're just, oh my goodness, it's that spoiled, rotten, world revolves around me sensation when you get around a child like that. Good parenting means from time to time you tell your child no. Because you know better than your child knows. I remember a few years ago, one of my younger kids came up to me and says, Daddy, can we get an elephant? Like dead serious. Like I just, she just really wanted an elephant. And in her mind, it made ter- perfect sense. Like how smooth would it be to jump up on my elephant and ride to school? Oh, yeah, can we get an elephant? Like never crossed her mind that they cost like a bazillion dollars and we got no place for it and they would trample all your friends and you and like none of that stuff crossed her mind. It was just like be super sweet to have an elephant, Daddy. You know what I said? I said, no. No, we're not getting an elephant. Why, Daddy? I'm not even going to take the time to explain to you why we're not getting an elephant. You're just going to have to trust me. We don't need an elephant. There are times you need to say no to your children because they don't even know what they're asking for and what they ask for would not be helpful for them. And there are a lot of times when our kids don't understand it, but we just say, trust me, please. I love you. I'm doing what's best for you. My answer is no. There are times when God tells us no because he loves us. I remember about 18 years ago, I was, I was at a church in downtown Fort Worth, small little church of about 35 people, and, and my, the friend of mine who was a pastor resigned because he was going to go into a school administration to be a principal, and I asked to be considered as the pastor of the church, and I prayed, oh God, let me do ministry here at this church of 35 people. God, you've called me here. I can do it in English and in Spanish. I want to serve you. I, I want to make your name famous right here. I, I, I want to give myself. It was only a part-time job, but God, you'll provide for me. I want to do this. And God's answer was no. A church of 35 people said, we will not even consider you to be our pastor. And I remember how heartbroken I was like, oh God, if I can't get a church to lead of 35 people, then how am I ever going to lead? I was destroyed by that. But if I could go back to Jason 18 years ago and let him see then what I see now, I would give God a kiss on the lips and say, thank you. Thank you for saving me from what I thought was so good because you had something so much better for me. I couldn't see it then. I was so crushed that you said no. And now I can look back and go, oh, God, you were so good to me. You had so much more for me. Thank you for telling me no. You see, sometimes God tells us no because he knows it's the absolute best thing for us. And so we just say, God, here's my request. I lay it before you. I'm not going to get angry at you for not answering a request I never lifted up. I'm going to let my request be made known to you. I'm going to tell you here's what I got. And then I'm going to leave it in your court. And God, if you want to meet this because you know it's a need, praise your holy name. If you don't meet it, then you know it's not a need. Praise your holy name. And when we lay our requests down before God like that with complete faith, you know what happens? Peace washes over us. This is exactly what the Apostle Paul says. Philippians chapter 4, the same passage we read, Philippians 4.19, that, that one about God supplying our need. A little bit earlier in that chapter, very famous couple of verses here. And you should memorize these verses. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Let me stop there for a second. Do not be anxious about anything. 
Man, if there was anything we needed right now today in this room, those of you listening, you need freedom from your anxiety. We are plagued by anxiety. We're sleepless because of anxiety. We're unhealthy. We have stomach cramps because of anxiety. We're, we're unhealthy in so many ways because of anxiety. He says, do not be anxious for anything. We don't have to be anxious. Just let your request be made known to God. And then that next part of it, verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. And the peace of God will sweep over you and will guard you. The greatest reward for prayer is not that God answers your prayer. It's that whether he does what you want or not, you get the peace of God. And when you have the peace of God, you discover that's all you really needed anyway. But you have to be willing to say, God, I lay this down before you and I trust your will. I know you will only meet it if it's good for me. I know you won't give it to me if it's good for me. And therefore, I trust you. And so I lay it down before you and I walk away completely at peace. God wants to give you peace. He wants you to walk out of this room today with peace. And there's some of you who won't unless you let your request be made known to God. Unless you say, I'm willing to ask you, here's my need, richly supply my need. Give me today what I need, my daily bread. In a moment, I'm going to give you a chance to come forward and be prayed over. But before I do that, though, i, I got to say this last thing because this is what I'm, I'm most afraid of. I'm afraid you're going to come and you're going to try to put God to the test. And you're going to say, okay, all right, I'll give God a chance. I'll, I'll lift my request to him. And, and if he answers my prayer, then, then I'll trust in him. I, I, I want to write this down because I don't want you to miss this. So I have a whiteboard over here that I, I, I want to help you understand this particular thing. You, you may want to at some point get a picture of this because it will help you a lot. So every one of us will come to moments in life where we have crisis. Some of you today are in here in the middle of crisis and you understand perfectly well what that feels like. Some of you just came out of one. Some of you are about to walk into one. We all experience crises from time to time. But when you have a crisis, the most natural response I've been saying all along is to pray. Is that knee-jerk reaction. Oh, God, I'm in over my head. I need help. So I cry out to you. And your hope is that when you pray, that God will answer. That God will show his power and might. And then when God answers, you believe him. Okay, God, now I see that you are good. Now I know. Now I can trust you. This is the natural way to view prayer. But let me tell you what's wrong with this little scenario here. There's this big word, if, right here. I pray, and if God answers my prayer the way I want him to answer it, then I'll believe in him. Now, if you're not an English major, anytime you see an if and then, that's called a conditional statement. Here's what it means. It means that your faith in God is conditional on him proving up that he is worthy to be followed. Now, let me, let me tell you the, the biggest issue with this whole thing. There's one person who's in the driver's seat, and that's us. We get to be in control. We like it this way. I'm telling God what to do. God, you answer my prayer the way I want you to answer my prayer. Then I'll believe in you. you got to prove yourself up, God. And we know the scariest thing you could ever do is try to talk to God that way. Tell him he's got to prove himself up to you. God does not need to prove his love for you. He's already done it by sending his own son to die on a cross to love you and save you. 
The good news of the gospel, John 3, 16, the one verse most memorized in the whole Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God has already proven that he loves you and he cares for you and he'll meet your needs and he's got power. He resurrected his son three days later. He has nothing left to prove to us. We just have to trust him. But in this prayer grid, we're trying to get God to prove himself one more time before we trust in him. God, I will follow you with my whole life when you solve this problem. God, I will get baptized when you answer this prayer request. God, I'll start tithing when you give me that raise at work. God, I'll start serving in that ministry whenever you heal my marriage. God, I'll X, Y, Z, you fill in the blank, then you'll do whatever. God, I'll be obedient to you when you first answer this or do this and prove yourself to be worthy. That's all about control. And we don't control God. There's a much better way to approach prayer. All starts in the same place. You have crisis. But when you have crisis, you have a beginning starting place that's different than the other one. You already believe. No matter what God does, you believe because you have trusted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have believed that he is good. He will richly supply all of your needs according to his power in Christ Jesus. You already know that he has the ability to meet your need. He won't give you anything that will harm you. So you, you believe, and therefore, from belief, you pray. You let your request be made known to God. You say, here's what I need, God. Do something about it. I'm going to ask so that the Lord can meet need as it comes. But here's the most amazing thing. When you pray already believing, God always answers. Now, I'm not saying God always gives you exactly what you asked for, but God always answers. God is moved when we pray prayers of faith. Go back and read James chapter 5. You'll hear it again and again. It's the prayer of faith that saves. It is the prayer of faith that availeth much, that has great power. It is faithful prayer, not prayer to see if God will respond so I might believe in him. It's prayer that says, I already believe in him, God. And so if you answer, give me what I need, praise your holy name. If you know that what I'm asking for will harm me so you don't give it to me, praise your holy name. Either way, it was an answer that I needed. And this right here isn't about control. This is all about faith. I believe in you, almighty God. And so I trust in you. The prayer of faith doesn't, doesn't hinge on the answer that God gives because faith comes first. Here's why I want you to hear this. I believe there are many of you in this room, and right now you are waiting on obeying the Lord. You are waiting on taking whatever step of faith he wants you to. You are waiting for him to answer the request that you were lifting up to him, making him try to prove one more time that, that he's trustworthy. And there is chaos in your life, and there is distortion in your life, and you're still waiting and waiting and waiting for God to prove himself. You want the miracle before you believe. Let me tell you how it works. You believe before you receive the miracle. Faith comes first. And I believe God wants to show some of you here today a miracle, but it's going to require faith first. And so we're going to have a time of prayer in just a moment. But that prayer will only have power if you first believe the message of the gospel. You first believe that he is good no matter what he says, no matter what he does. If his answer is yes or no, he is still good. And it is only when you have faith in Jesus Christ as your great high priest that you can be confident that when you go before the Lord, he'll answer your prayer. L listen to this one last passage of Scripture. It's Hebrews chapter 4, 14 through 16. I want to end with this thought. 
It says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Now listen to this. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We approach the throne room of grace with confidence. Why? Because we have a great high priest named Jesus. We already believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because we believe in the gospel of Jesus, we know we're going to receive grace to help in our time of need. We come over here and we believe, therefore we pray from faith and we know God's going to answer there are some of you today who need to start with faith. You need to claim Jesus Christ as your great high priest, the one who can forgive you of all of your sins and be the Lord and master of your life. Now, I know you have need. I know some of you have chaos. I know some of you desperately need to see the Lord's provision for you. You need a miracle. But don't wait for God to answer you before you approach him in faith and give your life to him. Give your life to him and then watch him make order out of the chaos of your life. I know you see up here on the stage, there's the, the baptistry up here. Man, I was praying and I, I was under full conviction there are some of you in this room. And you need to be stepping inside this baptistry before you leave church today. You need to say, today is the day where I place my faith in Jesus Christ and the old me dies and a brand new me comes out. Today I say, I believe in you, God, because you've proven your worth in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want the world to know I believe in your gospel. And you're going to come forward in a moment before you ask God to solve any of your problems and you're going to say, okay, God, I'm going to put faith first. I trust in you. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to get baptized today as my sign and symbol of my faith in you. And then I'll trust when I walk out of here, you're going to take care of all the rest. I believe there are some of you who are going to need to take that step of faith. You win the battle with faith. Today, win the battle. Don't let the enemy lie to you any longer. We're going to have pastors who are down front, ready to counsel with you, ready to help you get on a t-shirt that says, Jesus in my place, get on a pair of shorts, and we're going to bring you up here. The water is ready, and you're going to get baptized before you leave today as that sign and symbol of faith. I believe God is stirring hearts, and I want to open it up for you. Don't let the enemy win. The power of Christ is stronger than the enemy. You just got to take a step. And we'll be down here in a moment. I'm going to ask you all to stand up if you don't mind. I'm going to ask the pastors to make their way forward. We're going to be here to receive you, ready to pray with you. Now, I also know there are some of you, you've already taken the step of faith. You've been baptized. You've expressed your faith in Jesus Christ. And you still have need. It is still the prayer of faith that has power. And so you may need prayer over just any, any need that's in your life. Right? I don't know what that need is. Maybe you need physical healing and we need to anoint you with oil and pray over you. Maybe you have some crisis that you're going on someplace. Don't wait until it gets utterly desperate before you pray. You have not because you ask not. Come let us pray over you. Join our faith with yours so you can see God richly supply every single one of your needs. Come with faith and be prayed over. But let me say it again. Don't come down here asking God to meet a need because you need that in order to follow him. God has already proven his love for you. Come down here to say, I'm ready to express my faith in Jesus Christ through baptism because I know I have to start with faith and I'm ready to take that step today. So it's open. However you need to respond, we're ready to pray for you. We're ready to receive you and counsel you. We're ready for you to be baptized today. Whatever you need, you come. Time's open.